we don't want to forget what our ladies are doing at the Women's T20 World Cup in Australia. They've won three out of three. They have qualified for the semis with one game to go. And we just want to find out how did they do it, uh, reaching the semifinals of the T20 World Cup. And we joined on the line by former Proteas player Shandre Fritz, who is now a referee. Shandre, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM. Good evening, and I'm happy to be on the on the line tonight. Thank you, Shandre. You're also the first ever female match referee in South Africa. Is this something that you wanted to do after your playing days? Did you set out to do it? Definitely not. I wanted to be a coach, uh, head coach of the national side, and you know things didn't work out that way. And so the match referee thing really landed on my lap. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it and enjoying the challenge. Do you enjoy the challenge of being referred to as the first ever female match referee in South Africa? Yeah, you know, it's important to, to, to uh, bridge new avenues and so I'm just happy to be the first one to do so. That is awesome and wish you all the best, Shandre. Let's talk about the team now in Australia. Three out of three, perfect start. Have they exceeded expectations by beating England and Pakistan? Look, by all means, yeah, and congratulations. The dream start for the ladies. They've done well. I don't think uh, it was completely out of the ordinary. I think they've gone through a lot of ups and downs. They've had some big wins and some defeats that wasn't so great. But the squad has been together for such a long time and it's such a balanced team. A lot of the girls in the side were youngsters when they came into the side when I used to play. So, and they've played all over the world. They're playing more, more cricket now. So it's not surprising to me. I mean, if you look at that team, it's, it's a world-class side. Um, the top order batters have played all over the world. The bowlers have bowled all over the world and played in all conditions and all formats. So I think it, it's their time. And how important is that? Because we had them before the tournament. They were talking about the experience of playing in the Women's Big Bash League. They were saying they're familiar with some of the pitches, some of, of the grounds. How important is, is, that inter- is that overseas experience? Of course, exposure to play on all different surfaces is key um, to be able to play in different situations. I mean, if you go there blind, you don't know what to expect. And now our girls exactly know what to expect. And we performing on evil footing, even footing with all the other teams because we're playing so much cricket and we play, and the girls are playing all over the world. They also seem to be flexible and playing around with the betting order there with the betters moving up and down. Is that the sign of a confident team or a team that's planned for this tournament and know exactly what they're doing? Of course, it's an experienced team now. Even the young ones coming in. I mean, you can't even call Laura Wolf for the young one anymore because <laughs> she's caught so many runs and she comes in and she smashes 50 or 36 balls, having not batted in a position and, and carrying drinks for a while, you know, and she comes in and she does the business. You know, everyone is chomping at the brick, just waiting to produce at the highest level. And, and um, that is a sign of a confidence, balance and experience side. Ideally, um, Shanre, for those who don't probably follow a lot or haven't been watching some of the of, of the games, at a T20 World Cup, who would have been favourites going into the tournament? Who are the strongest teams in T20 cricket? Australia, India, England, New Zealand. Those are the top four generally. Um, and, and if you speak to any of those teams, they know that South Africa on any given day could have beaten them. But to win consistently is a different thing. And, and that is where we, we have headed to now, where the girls are now consistently beating top sides and, and winning uh, more convincingly, not just by chance, you know. Yeah, they've got the West Indies in the last match of the pool stages tomorrow. They're already through to the semis. There's a chance to top the group and there's India and Australia waiting. How do you expect the, 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 them to approach the game tomorrow? Do you expect the coach to rest a few players? Look, I, I can't tell, but uh, if, if if I were the coach, the, the team needs the strongest side next to play. I don't need to give people some game time, but at the World Cup, you still want to give... Because um, once you start playing, you get in, uh, as a player, you get in form, you get on a roll, and you don't want to break that roll by arresting someone, you know? 
So uh, I'm sure they'll probably mix a few, play some of the senior girls and some of the younger ones to give some of them game time but and, and gain experience at the World Cup because we're already through to the semifinals. But yeah, I think some of the top ladies will really still want to play. Um, the first choice players will still want to play and stay in a good vein of uh, form. And with India and Australia lying in wait, is there any team that they would prefer to face ahead of the other or do they pose the same danger here? Oh, absolutely. In the T20, it's it's a short format of the game, so anything can happen. Any team can beat anyone. So you cannot take the foot of the of the pedal at any stage. And so I don't I don't think South Africa minds who they play. You know, what I do feel is in some the Indians have done well with the spin, so maybe not want to play India. But if you want to win uh, the World Cup, you got to beat the top sides consistently. And and so I think they'll be up for the challenge, no matter who they're going to be playing. At this stage, then, Chandra, what would make a good World Cup for for our team? Well, it's already been a good World Cup. We've made a semi-final. A good World Cup would be if we win the t- title. We all go there not just to compete. We go there to win the trophy. And so a good World Cup will be winning the trophy, of course. Mm. And and there's been a rise in performances of the women's team. As we mentioned, some of them have been playing overseas also in recent seasons. What can we attribute this growth of the women's game to? Well, you know, um, leading... T- Teams in the countries like uh, England and Australia have taken big stands, and so South Africa has had to almost been almost forced to follow along. And, and I think that that's where it goes. If World Cricket goes one way, we cannot stay behind. If we want to perform at the biggest stage, we need to put funding in. We need to put resources into our, our female sport. And I think that 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 is what it's attributed to. I mean, England started putting in big money into the women's cricket like about almost 15 years ago. Uh, and that's why they've won so many World Cups in so Australia. And then, and then at the end of the day, we need resources. We need teams to play overseas. We need teams to want to come here and to play a good side because they generally don't want to play teams that aren't that great, you know. And once we become um, one of the top sides like we are now, then everyone wants to play against us and we get the opportunity to go play elsewhere. Finally, Chandra, there's been a lot of uh, talk about the fielding. Even the players have said that they probably think that the fielding uh, is not up to scratch. Could that be the difference in the semi-final? Do they need to uh, just up their game a little bit when it comes to the fielding? Oh, 100%. Uh, those one one run, two runs here, those make a big difference. I mean, getting a big play out early doors, um, not settling, and then not having, not scoring big runs. So we need to stunt them by our good performances. And generally, South Africa has, has been a good fielding side. But sometimes, you know, the pressure, there's big pressure. People talk about, oh, it's just another game. Not, an, not unless you've played in a World Cup in front of so many fans and with so much riding on the games, you know. So there is an element of uh, of pressure um, but I'm sure the girls will rectify it because no one misfields with drops catches by mistake. I mean, all the best fields in the world do it. And sometimes it's just a lapse in concentration. Christophe, Chandra, pleasure talking to you. All the best with the, the new journey that you've uh, taken. And thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, that's Chandra Fritz, former Proteas International and now South Africa's first ever female match referee. She was also the first female university coach and you heard that uh, she uh, actually wanted to be a coach. And by the way, here's another step that was pulled out by the, by the producers. In 2010, she was the first South African male or female to score an international T2000. That is uh, the guest that we've just spoken to here, Chandra Fritz. Tomorrow's game, folks, is at 10 a.m. Uh, if you want to catch some cricket, do uh, it, it is, the first ball should be bowled at 10 a.m. They're already through uh, to the semis. The semis uh, should be on Thursday. Uh, so let's see what happens against the West Indies. And they've got a chance to top the group. Uh, we do apologize for not being able to play your voice notes. A lot of them have come through, unfortunately. Let's talk rugby now. Because I'm surprised by what's happening at Loftus. The Bulls have lost four out of four. They even won this season.
No wonder their fans are fighting amongst themselves. They're in the stands. They're the Bulls. Anyway, John Mamedza, Blue Bulls legend, joins us on the line. John, good evening. Thanks for speaking to us again on SAFM. Evening, Tavito. How are you, man? I'm fine, John. Four out of four defeats. Is it a crisis? Oh, I, I'd like to believe it's not a crisis yet. Um, remember, it, it, it's all about, it's not how you start, but how you finish. But um, at the same time, you can't now take too long to start. And um, to be honest, maybe the guys are starting to panic a little bit, but um, it's still early days. What's disappointed you the most about the Bulls this season? You know what, I think um, uh, they were supposed to win last weekend, but it never happened, and uh, they just lost it at, at the death. I think um, closing off close games has been a thing that um, has been a thorn in the side of the Bulls for the past two seasons or so. And uh, having lost Andre Pollard and um, Dwayne Tornielen, the guys that have come in, those are quality players that um, can walk in in any side. But it takes a while for them to play like a team. And I think uh, the guys haven't been playing like a team uh, so far. That's been disappointing. But I, I think it's a matter of time that uh, the guys will, will learn to play uh, with each other. They've been criticised in some quarters for bringing back the oldies. Morne Stein has been mentioned. What's your scorecard on him so far? Of him? Look, I think he's handled himself well. I mean, he's a season com- campaigner. And uh, he's done well, to be quite honest. And sometimes um, um, when you are a flop, we, we, we get to uh, uh, to just shove the blame on, on the flop. But he's done well. When you look at his, um, um, his play against the Sharks, particularly, I watched the game from start to finish. I think he created a lot of opportunities, but um, if guys cannot um, uh, catch the ball, it's not his fault. I mean, through, um, uh, I think there were two grabbers that he put through, and the guys just couldn't catch the ball. So you can't really blame the club, but I think he's done well. He's settled in nicely, so I'm happy with Monestay. A lot of people, the other argument, though, is that he's blocking the progress of a talent like Mani Libok. Is that fair criticism? Look, um, Mani is a chair. He's, he's what a player. He's a brilliant player. Um, I, 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 I like the boy. I think he's the future. He's going to take the Vatica forward. One thing that he needs to work on is when you put, when you put down a team, Tadiso, there's one person that you can't go in a team without, a kicker. And Mani Libok lacks in his kicking department. He needs to work hard at it. I tell you what, when Mani Stain came to the Bulls, he couldn't, he, he, I think he was a 20-30% average kicker. Mm. He worked hard on his kicking that he's a 90% kicker now. So there's no reason why Money Libo can do it. I think he just needs to concentrate on his kicking. All-round player, he's got everything, but he needs to kick the, the, the two, three pointers over. <laughs> and and for you, who's the, who's the starting um, scrum off at the Bulls? Is it Ambrose? Is it Ivan? I, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm also <laughs> in the dark, just as you. I'm I'm not quite sure. But um, when you are a number nine or a number ten, you need game time. Oh. You need game time. Or a number two, you need game time. If you don't get consistent game time, it's a problem. But now those guys are getting rotated so much that they are also losing touch with their play, and uh, it's concerning. Um, I, I, I know they are both spring box and they need uh, they need to get a chance, but um, they need game time. I think uh, with Warner leaving, he he made a good choice to leave. He's get, getting solid game time there, so the guys just need game time. Right? 
That's it. And finally, uh, the coach Potter Human is also under scrutiny now. Some are questioning his credentials for this job. They don't think that he's the man that should be looting the Bulls in Super Rugby. What's your verdict? Look, I, I think, uh, to be quite honest, he's the man uh, uh, that's good for the job. I mean, he did very well last year. And uh, you don't come, you don't become a bad coach over overnight. With what's available to him, I don't think um, he's got good players available to him uh, to, to really win the championship. Mm. So we can't really put the blame on the coach. Uh, he's got a lot of youngsters that are there. I mean, he's lost his campaigners in the, in the likes of Jesse Creel and all of that. But um, he, he, he's got a way to go. I think let's give him time to work with the youngsters. But we can't really blame the coach every time when, when, uh, when the team does there. I, I, I don't agree with the public there. Finally, they've got the Highlanders at Loftus on Saturday before going on the tour of Australasia. Does this game now become a must-win? Yes, the game is a must-win because if, if they don't win, then um, we know it's not going to be easy down under. Um, four games to get four out of four, it's a narrow. So it's not going to be an easy game, so they, they need to win on Saturday. So the pressure is on. So every game from now on is a must-win for them. And um, you know what? If, if, if I were to put my money, if I had to put my money on any team to perform under pressure, I think I would put my money on the board and um, they should come good on Saturday. Okay, Jerry, great. John Mametsa, always a pleasure talking to you. You still believe, you still have hope that things will turn around. I have to, have to tell you, sir. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, Blue Bulls <laughs> legend. Thank you, sir. Blue Bulls legend through and through, of course, uh, uh, John Mametz. I remember when we spoke to him, we were trying to count how many games he had played for the Bulls. It was over 120 matches uh, for the Blue Bulls. John Mametz there on the wing. He still thinks that they can turn it around? I don't know. Four out of four, and you haven't even gone on tour yet. That is a recipe for disaster. But anyway, our time is up. It is exactly 8 o'clock and it is time for news.